Hello everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name's Tom Butterfield and today we're going to do something a bit different. I'm actually flying solo, no notes, no anything today. I'm just going to recount a few details about an interesting case that comes up. So I'm going to do this maybe once a week. Uh, obviously everything will be anonymized. There'll be no names or no uh, inkling of who the person could be, but just a few little cases that come up uh, or parts of the case uh, that we feel would be of interest to people. So an interesting case this week was a person who's had a long history of low back problems. Uh, they've had previous MRIs and it came up that they do have uh, disc protrusions in their low back. They're fairly young, they're under 22 and they've had medication. They've came to see me for some treatment, uh, chiropractic treatment, um, which we didn't really get too far with it. To be honest, we had a few spikes of, of improvement, but overall things stayed pretty much the same. So you need to know when to uh, stick or twist. So we twisted and we said, right, need to refer back to GP and we need to get maybe more up-to-date MRIs, even though these weren't particularly old and perhaps get an opinion about whether to have uh, some sort of injection therapy, something different because unfortunately this person was at the point where they're unable to do any sort of movement exercise, even at a very, very low level because of the pain and discomfort they're experiencing. So if you can't do that, then you have to get some sort of helping hand to almost kickstart the engine and get things going. So going for a guided injection into the problem area seemed to be the best course of action. Did have to fight for it, to be honest. Um, it wasn't, wasn't an easy sell to the, the powers that be. But eventually, after some uh, very enthusiastic encouragement from the uh, client's parent, they managed to get the injection, which did help mildly for a set period of time, not particularly long period of time. It did allow them to start their rehab, which was the goal behind the injection. But unfortunately, fairly soon after, they were back to square one again. So we start the loop again. Back to see uh, GP. GP is recommended to go and get osteopathy or physiotherapy treatment and swim. Now, unfortunately, this client cannot swim. <laughs> so not great advice there. So always know your clients, know their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, but that can happen. You know, it happens to everyone. You know, no one's infallible. But going back to osteopathy and, and physiotherapy just felt like a backward step to me because we've been there. You know, it's not the first time with, with me they'd had treatment, they'd had treatment elsewhere and they hadn't had any progress of sort, which is why we looked for the injection to see if that would kickstart things and get things going. Unfortunately, it didn't. What was interesting was a few things that were reported during the meetings with, with doctors and neurosurgeons. Uh, one thing was the neurosurgeon looked at the image of the MRI and they said, nope, this isn't too bad. You don't need any injection for this. They didn't take into account anything about what my client had been going through, you know, as far as what they've been doing for the last 18 months. You know, this person has had their quality of life 
cut to ribbons over the last two years because of this problem. And someone has decided that they're just going to look at a picture. They're going to discount the person. Okay, they're not going to not going to talk to the person. They're just going to look at a picture and say, no, it's fine. You know, it's not that bad. Now, we know from a research point of view that if you take any neurosurgeon, doctor, chiropractor, physiotherapist, osteopath, anyone, and you sit them in a room with a written case history and the examination findings, and then you tell them to go into another room where there's a host of MRIs or X-rays up on the wall, and you say, match the history and examination to the imaging, nobody has ever been able to do it reliably, ever, in the history of ever, (laughs) okay? So... For somebody who's very well trained and very experienced to look at a picture and say, well, that tells me all the information I need to know. I'm not sure where they're coming from with that. That's disappointing, I would say, that someone's decided to take that sort of route and decided to take all their information from this just one picture. So that wasn't particularly pleasing. And it's sad to see that that still happens, even though there's so much information out there to debunk that theory and why we shouldn't, as clients, as patients, as yourselves, if you're you're suffering with, with pain discomfort, don't be so enthusiastic to jump straight to imaging. Don't be you know, so keen to go straight to x-ray, MRI, ultrasound scans. You know, I'm a sonographer, so I know what sonography can do, but I also know when is best to use it. And also if I find something that doesn't match with the history in the examination, then it pretty much gets ignored. We note it, but it's ignored as far as the importance for the case is concerned. Another thing that was said, I don't know whether this was by the, um, who this was said by in, in the case, but they said, you know, This is a person who has a disc problem. So anyone out there who knows how effective McKenzie extension exercises can be, knows what what you do. You lay on your front and slightly extend yourself in order to take the pressure off of the disc. Now this neurosurgeon said, I think it was the neurosurgeon, happy to be corrected if, if, if not. They said, stop laying on your front. It's shortening the muscles in your back and that's causing you problems. Now, I challenge you all out there, okay, every single one of you out there, to find me reliable research evidence that laying on your front for a few minutes, multiple times a day, shortens the muscles in your low back, okay? That's your homework, go. (laughs) Surely what's more likely to have happened is that when we experience pain, Okay, so when there's a problem, because no one teaches how to limp, do they? You know, was anyone ever taken aside in school and told, you know, this is how we limp if you hurt your ankle, if you hurt your back, this is what you do? No, I wasn't. Anyway, I must have missed that memo uh, when it came round because I certainly didn't see it. What's more likely to be happening there with those muscles in the low back is this person has been in chronic pain, long-standing pain for over two years. Okay, so that's a long time. What the body does is if there's a problem, if something isn't working as it should do or something's injured, that message goes to the brain. So the input goes into the brain and the brain will say, protect. So it'll protect it. And what does it do to protect? Muscle spasm. 
Okay, so the muscle spasm is to restrict the movement and the power available to the load back. Same thing in the, in the ankle. If you sprain your ankle, you hurt your foot, you will limp and you will take weight off of that foot. That is how the brain helps you to protect that ankle or that foot. Okay, so I wasn't buying that either, in all fairness. So it's interesting because these are very highly trained people, very well respected and rightly so. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what we need to do as clinicians, we have a responsibility to make sure that the words that come out of our mouth aren't just our throwaway opinions. They're based on research, they're based on fact and something that we can uh, prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay, think of it like a courtroom. If someone came in and said to you, prove to me that when I lay on my front for a few minutes a day, multiple times a day, it shortens the muscles in my low back, go. I've got no defense. Therefore, I'm guilty of letting a throwaway comment potentially adversely affect the future health of a client. And you as clients must always question things. Okay, don't just take our word for, for, uh, our word for it, okay? Make sure you test us. If it doesn't sound right, go away and research it yourself or question the person straight away. Okay, we're not, we're not infallible. We don't know everything, okay? It's not that we make mistakes on purpose. It's not that you make mistakes on purpose. It happens. But please, it's a good learning opportunity for us, if nothing else, to understand that we can't just say things and expect it to just be forgotten. I remember one client I saw many, many years ago who came in with uh, their husband and you could see that the, how anxious and how concerned they were. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I've been talking for a long time. Uh, I usually have a break when I'm doing these things. But they were obviously very anxious and they were sort of together, literally like bookends, like couldn't be separated. And the client told me, she told me all about her low back issue. And we did, uh, took the history, did an examination, uh, and we even did some x-rays because of some certain things that had come up in the history. And when we looked at it, it was fine. You know, there, there was nothing that was out of the ordinary. Okay, so in the history and examination, it seemed like what we would call a joint dysfunction. Okay, so something not working as well as it should do, rather than something that is damaged and needs time to heal. Okay, so I reported that to them. We talked through it. And... The husband, I could see his temperature was was rising and he was getting a little bit more agitated the, the more I said. So I was thinking, oh, you know, what have I what have I done here? And he questioned me and he said, but we went to see another uh, specialist or, or another uh, therapist. And they said that if my wife wants to have children, which we do, we do want to start a family, then she would probably end up in a wheelchair. And, you know, I almost fell off my chair. And this was six years previous that they'd been told this. They'd put off having a family for six years because she didn't want to end up in a wheelchair and her husband certainly didn't want her to end up in a wheelchair. So they had resigned themselves to the fact that they were going to just, you know, live out their lives happily as a couple 
but not have children, which they both wanted, but they weren't willing to pay the potential price for it, which is understandable when you're given that sort of, I wouldn't say advice, information from a trusted therapist or clinician. So I treaded careful here because when someone's been told such a big thing like that, it's very difficult to undo that in a space of five, 10 minutes. So we started treatment very, very gentle, but within two to three weeks, this lady had no issues at all. She was absolutely fine. And they were understandably very pleased, but also quite frustrated, quite angry, and felt they'd been cheated out of, you know, five or six years of planning or having a family. So we as clinicians really need to be careful with the language that we use because people trust us. You know, we've done the training. So people come to us because they're needing our help. So we can't just sit there and make judgments or make comments just off the cuff like that. We have to really think about what we say before it comes out of our mouth. Okay, use the filter. You know, if you can't back it up with clinical experience or even better research, then don't say it. You know, check yourself, go and find out, do the research first and then give the opinion. And clients, question us. Question your clinicians, question your therapists. We're in a world today where we've got all the information we could possibly need, probably too much information at times at our fingertips. So there's no excuse for you not to go away and do a little bit of research yourself. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try and pick out three, three lessons from that. So one, I guess is for, for clinicians is to be mindful of the words and the language you use, because it could have a huge impact on someone and you might be totally unaware of it. That physiotherapist, might not remember ever saying that, but those two people certainly did, and it almost changed the course of their life forever. Number two is for clients, patients, to question your clinician, question your doctor, to make sure that what they've said makes sense, make sure that they can back it up. And also, let's, let's say imaging, okay? Don't, as a client or as a clinician, don't think that imaging is going to tell you everything you need to know because the vast majority of the information you'll get is from the history. And then if you've done the examination right, that should merge in and fit with the history. So you should get history and examination match each other. And that's most of the time enough. But if you do need to take imaging, certainly make sure that those images fit what you're expecting to find. If you find something that's totally different, then it's probably an incidental finding and you can just ignore it. But that's enough from me. That's enough from my rant for the week. Um, if you enjoyed this and you'd like me to go into more details about daily things that we, we find in clinic or things that we agree with or don't agree with, then please let us know in the comments. It'd be great to hear from you all and I'll see you in the next video. Take care. Bye-bye.